I'm Carla with Race to Walk, and these are just some thoughts on a Sunday. And what I do on these weekly updates is I um, just share a few thoughts I've had for a week, and I give an update on where we're at in helping some Afghan Christians that are currently in Pakistan on their immigration journey. And so um, the way I got involved in this, uh, I have actually never been to Pakistan, although I did talk to somebody this week that um, she is... Uh, from Pakistan and actually is going to visit there in January and I uh, said oh yeah you should come sometime she has an apartment in Karachi and invited me to come with her and so I don't know we'll have to see but um, my friend Mark Ritchie oops wrong wrong slide there uh, he had uh, his family had been ministering in Afghanistan and Pakistan for decades uh, both his mother and father are actually buried in Kabul and uh, when his mother died in early 2020, um, she and they took her back to be uh, buried in Kabul where uh, their father is buried. There was, I guess there were some news stories um, at the time, you know, talking about why these two uh, Americans were buried in Kabul and uh, some Pakistani pastors contacted him and um, I guess on Facebook and uh, he started teaching Bible studies and uh, speaking at conferences over there via Zoom. So he started that in 2020. And then um, in 2021, he asked me to help him with some classes. And I did. It was filling in um, when he asked me to, uh, dropping in on classes when he would send me a link. He never let me know ahead of time. He would just like drop a Zoom link and WhatsApp or Facebook. And if I had time, I would go and do that. And then in... Um, Last October, he asked me to cover uh, two of his classes, or actually three, and uh, so I did. And um, that one thing led to another, and the next thing I know, you know, we're talking about immigration and UNHCR certifications and trying to get uh, visas for Pakistan um, for the Afghans. So anyway, it's a little bit of a crazy story, but um, it's been a journey and a learning experience. And then he brought his friend Don Shire into this whole adventure. Don has a ministry called Don Shire Ministries. You can find it at donshireministries.org. And since he has been doing um, ministry in various countries all over the world for years, um, he agreed to partner with us. Um, any donations made? Um, to his ministry if you go to his website at race to, uh, no org and select race to walk that will be donated to the separate so anyway that's what we're doing uh, what we do specifically I, I teach bible studies um, with them every week um, beyond that uh, it's a little fluid because uh, life is a little fluid and things in afghanistan and pakistan change a lot so Anyway, uh, right now we're working on um, uh, English school uh, classes for the Afghans to prepare them, not only to prepare for them for when they do immigrate, but also some immigration pass essentially like required. So this is what we're working on. But the topic of the um, my stream today is the dangers of associations. So associations can be a good thing and they can be a bad thing. and. Um, we there's a, a youth pastor at my church and he used to tell you know the teens you are who you run with and 
I think that's true. And I think that um, sometimes we don't um, realize how much our associations shape us. We think that we are, especially in the U.S., we think that we are these individuals that aren't impacted by anything. We just are who we are, and that's totally not true. Um, our family influences us. Our environment influences us. Our um, where we grow up influences us, what we eat influences us, and our circles, the people that we are around influences us. I, uh, especially when it comes to faith, I actually, so this wasn't last week, but the week before, I missed a week of updates, but um, there was a, uh, the first meeting of a, um, a Houston chapter for the Thomas Merton um, Society, and I had never heard of him before, but um, I haven't been in the book club for a while. So when someone that I, I know said he was going to start it, I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And I looked up Thomas Merton to see who he was. And uh, his writing sounded really interesting. I picked up one of his books, uh, No Man is an Island. Uh, I haven't read the whole thing, but it looks amazing. And I said, what, uh, how did you know about Thomas Merton? What really got you into him? And he said, well, you know, he was just, you know, he grew up in, he uh, grew up in the Episcopal Church, and he said they just quote him all the time. And I was like, oh, wow. Because I uh, grew up in, didn't realize this until fairly recently, very, um, for the most part, really com uh, fundamentalist churches. And they were, trust me, they were not quoting uh, Thomas Merton in their sermons and when he said that it really struck me that I you know it, what we believe really depends on what we're exposed to and um, sometimes you don't even know like when you have wrong understandings about things until you're past it and out of it and looking back and that all depends on really our associations right what we're exposed to and one of the things I was thinking about um, for the top, when I decided I was going to be speaking on this topic was you know, just how, even like what we see as good associations, how we have to even be cautious about that because it's so easy to give undue influence to um, the people that we're around. And because we have close associations with people, we don't always question or um, push back about things that maybe aren't right and that we don't agree with. And um, I, I can't even tell you how many times over the past few years I've um, been in conversations with people who are very insular in the people that they associate with. They basically have created little echo chambers for themselves and they'll say something and I'm thinking, yeah, that is really a lame, lame thing you just said. Like, that makes no sense at all. Like, do you even realize how stupid that sounds? And they don't because they're used to just saying these ridiculous statements in people that think exactly like them. And they don't have any exposure to anybody else that's saying anything. So they go out. So they, they're just so confident in this ridiculous statement and then they go out and they basically make a fool of themselves when they 
um, encounter somebody that can push back against it. And I think that, um, I mean, this is the thing. When I the people the situations I'm thinking of specifically, they're Christians. You know, they're they're Christians that should, I would think, know better, and should be looking more and reflecting more on their beliefs and the things that they say. But they don't because no one else in their circle is. Um, this a couple days ago, I published. Uh, a, on my channel, a, um, a review of Sound of Freedom movie. I actually saw it like right when it came out, like about a week after it came out, I guess. But it took me forever to edit that video. And I should have just re recorded it because part of it was recording itself that made it so difficult to edit. And there were complaints on it about the audience. Like, yeah, you're right. It is a mess. Next time, I'll just redo it up front. But anyway, you could tell the people that have gotten really used to um, it's, it's Sound of Freedom. It's just crazy, like how divisive that movie is. And when I watched it, I knew some of the issues that were a problem with the movie. You know, I knew it was a misrepresentation of what human trafficking actually looks like. I knew that going in. I knew that uh, the uh, the lead uh, actor in that that he had all sorts of issues. Um, I knew a little bit about the issues of Tim Ballard and his his you know his group, but since I've published that, I've come across other things, and it's just a whole big mess. But you have people that are um, have already promoted that movie as amazing, and so what I said I can tell what I said in that review really offends them like okay you can be offended you can be offended it doesn't change the truth but if we if we base what we agree with or what we support because of our associations and the people we're associated with don't um, whether they're corrupt or whether they're they just are promoting lies and fraud you know that's basically all the, the drama in the United States, you can boil that down to that issue right now. It's like people don't want to push against their in-group. That is not, um, that's making an idol out of whatever that group is. And so we have to be careful about associations. We have to go for truth regardless of the cost. There's, when I did a Bible study on the book of Job, this was in, when did I do this, 2020? One, I think I did that Bible study. The book of Job is really explaining what can bring judgment on a person. And one of those things is our associations. Like he specifically says, like if I had like exploited people in like his business endeavors, that can bring judgment. And we don't like to, at least for Protestants, we don't like to think that. We just think, okay, I have accepted Jesus and so on. Everything that I do is covered. First John 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We also don't really understand that our spirit is made perfect, right? But the rest of us, this is um, this is in Hebrews. I can't remember the reference. But 
there's a verse that says, we, we have been made perfect who are being made holy. So that is talking about that moment of justification as well as the process of sanctification. And our spirit is made perfect, but our mind, will, and emotions, like our self that is, you know, our embodied self that is here, that is still being sanctified. And that still can come under judgment if we do not um, confess and repent of these sins. And some of those sins can be um, sins of association. That is, uh, if you look, and I've mentioned this before, if you look in the book of, okay, so First and Second Kings used to be one book to, together. But if you look and read through all of Kings, it is, the writer is saying, he's uh, writing this during the exile, when the Jews are saying, God, we're your people. How could you let this happen to us? And the writer of Kings is saying, look, this was a wrong sometimes, and then this was a judgment for it. And sometimes the judgment came generations later. It wasn't an individual sin, but individuals suffered the consequences of a judgment based on the sins of others. It was a sin of association. And so we're supposed to confess and repent. That is what uh, we're coming up into the, high, in the period of the high holy days. I can't remember when Rosh Hashanah is. It's like the 8th or the 10th, something like that. And then after that comes Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur was actually, it was not about individual repentance at all. It was about uh, corporate repentance. It's corporate atonement. It's atoning for unconfessed sins that individuals may not have confessed so that the nation as a whole would not be judged. That's what Yom Kippur was about. Or is about and um, so wrongs uh, bring judgment and the our associations we can be we can uh, experience judgment based on associations that we are um, a part of and so that's why we're supposed to be very careful about partnerships that we go into and, and people that we associate with um, do I have it I do okay so this is, there are a couple of verses. This is the thing. I was going to do this. I was going to do this last week. I just didn't have time to prep for it, and my schedule was all off. So I started this last, to do last week, and then I, I uh, kind of forgot what I, what I had. But this is Psalms 101, 7 through 8. David is writing, and he's talking about how he will not let um, wickedness to be people to serve him because sometimes we think okay it wasn't me it was somebody else well if this is somebody who we have um a some sort of hand in what they do like whether there are employees or whether these are people that we elect we're complicit in that and so david is saying i will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from the grip. So the end does not justify the means. We're supposed to uh, seek and serve justice, right? And we don't allow wrongs to pass. Ephesians um, 5 also says basically the same thing have nothing to do with the works of darkness rather than expose them. But this is another verse that, um, you know, I've 
referred to quite a few times. This is in 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, we have kind of an upside down um, view in the church today where we're going, we tell everybody else that's outside the church what they should be doing and we're not cleaning up our own house. And this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he said, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. And then this is in Romans 2. You therefore have no excuse. You pass judgment on someone else. For what? At what point do you judge someone? You are condemning yourself because you pass judgment. Uh, you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on the truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you or or do you show contempt for the riches of the kindness of forbearance and patience and realize not realizing that God's kindness is intended to bring you to repentance? And so that's a verse that um, I always kind of go to when we're talking about um, you know what's how it is we should be behaving, um, and what our approach should be. You know, when we're talking about um, behavior and actions of people outside the church, like we should be concerned about our own our own actions, right? So I was going to. Um, this is the thing. I, I one of the things I want to do is that the whole thing about associations, like we as the United States, when going to um, the situation in Afghanistan. We went into Afghanistan because uh, we were attacked by Al-Qaeda uh, in 9-11, right? We were coming up on um, an anniversary of that. And um, we went into Afghanistan because the Taliban in, were ruling Afghanistan at the time and were harboring uh, and giving aid to Al-Qaeda. And... Um, so we were there for 20 years, and our NATO allies went in with us, and um, now uh, we're basically backing the people who gave, gave aid to and supported our enemies, which is it's just a crazy situation. I was going to go and um, just read the uh, Doha agreement, the agreement with the Taliban, the agreement with the... Um, the Afghan government, the Afghan Republic, as well as the NATO statement afterwards. I think what I'm going to do, I'm not going to do that today because that's probably going to be, it's usually end up uh, being a little longer uh, than I'd like. 
I think I'll probably do that another time this week and do that separately. So if you haven't subscribed, just you know, subscribe and hit the bell for notifications if you're interested, if you're not. But um, I hope that um, if you hear any talk of Afghanistan, I hope you at least care enough to um, know the reality of what's happening. Because as I've mentioned in a lot of my updates, almost every update, there's a lot of gaslighting about what is going on. Uh, the, you know, the country, the NATO allies basically just want to push things under the rug and act like everything's fine. And so what they're doing right now is they're pretending like the Taliban are different. They're no different. They're no different. And part of one of the things that I do during this, up, this update and why I share the things that I do is I want to make it very clear that uh, who the Taliban are. They're terrorists. This is one of the things that they've been doing recently. I got into an argument <laughs> with them. I was actually last week. And they don't like, they get offended when you call them terrorists. And they also don't like looking bad on social media. So they have, they have this PR campaign that they're doing now. And they're going around. And when you call the Taliban terrorists, they're like, well, what do you mean by that? If you look at the actual definition of terrorist, it's the official definition is to um, trying to overthrow the government through violence. Well, the Taliban are the government. So I think that's their argument. It's like, we can't be terrorists because we're in charge now. So their terroristic actions that what they were doing, you know, when they weren't in charge, they're doing the same things now. Um, but they're like, oh, we're not terrorists now. So anyway, there's just a lot of gaslighting and propaganda going out there. And so it's important to know like what actually is going on. So I'm going to do um, a little later this week, I'm going to do um, just a separate stream on those agreements. So if you haven't ever read them um, and you hear people talking about it, then you're like, and you'll know, you'll be able to know when they're, they're blowing smoke if you know what the reality is about how we got to the situation we're in right now. So I'm going to skip over those because I had a ton. But where are we? Where are we? Okay. So this is just an update about what has been going on over the past week. Now, one of the things I do after I do this live stream, usually like a day or two afterwards, just to kind of depends on how my schedule goes in the week, I post an article on my website for each live stream. And with that article, there'll be, there's a uh, audio version that goes out to a podcast. So um, I will, I have links to everything that I'm going to be talking about here in that article. And as well as more because there were there were so many I couldn't do screenshots of all of them I have I'm on StreamYard and they have a limit to the number of videos and uh, images you can upload and they hit my limit so anyway the the big kind of the big thing over the last since I did my last update okay so I mentioned I think my last update my thoughts about the Taliban were uh, a, few weeks ago or maybe it's a month or so ago I came across an update that the Taliban were looking for a group of women they had been hunting them for three months I was thinking they didn't say about what I don't, I don't know what the problem or what their issue was and then they shut down the salons they wouldn't allow it caused them all to close 
And uh, so I'm thinking, is that, are they worried about kind of these women rising up against them? Well, there were a number of stories in the past week, the past two weeks about Taliban went into arrested women in a home. There were eight women that were arrested. And then later on, they were, is this the right one? They were, um, which one is this one? Oh, okay, sorry, that's the wrong one. My stuff is out of order. Okay, so these were activists. They're protesting, and so they, they, they weren't even out anywhere. They were just in a home, and they get arrested. And then later on, they are released on the condition that they don't, they don't protest again. <laughs> like they don't complain about things like that's, that's really going to work. But anyway, this is like, even they weren't even out even doing anything, but even the, the threat of someone standing up against the Taliban, they have to try to shut it down. Another story that was um, had a lot of coverage last uh, last week or so. Um, there's a YouTuber that uh, Afghan YouTuber that was killed, and in the, originally they were like, "Oh, they, they didn't know what it was about." And there was another story where it said the Taliban had arrested two people, and one was a woman. But what turns out, according to the woman's friends. Um, there was a Taliban member that was um, wanted to marry her, and she refused him. So he captured her, raped her, and killed her. And this is this is what they do. I mean, it's just complete suppression of women. Um, this is if you go, again, if you go on the article on my website, I have a lot more stories just like this: uh, attempted abduction of of a girl. Um, the other thing that was from um, made a, a big, uh, a big, a lot of conversation about is that there was a um, a businessman that was paying for some Afghan girls to go to university, and they the Taliban wouldn't leave, let them leave the airport, <laughs> wouldn't let them go somewhere else to go to university. They just because again, Taliban are terrorists and thugs. Um, this is, uh, they're just, um, they're threatened by anyone who can challenge them. <sighs> Women, this is a, a post about a, a organization is supposed to be for women and there's no women there. They don't let, the Taliban do not let women go out in public. They can't even go to the marketplace, I guess not even with a male relative. It's just getting more and more restrictive. Um, this is a post somebody said that, you know, the Taliban, they're not even going to want to let women breathe at, anymore, and they won't. They said this is almost kind of the equivalent. They won't let women go to parks. They've been banned. Um, this is a, uh, which one is this one? Okay, so this is a guy that is kind of interesting. He, I've had been in a couple different conversations with him. Um, he actually worked on part of the Doha agreement. Is that not weird? 
but he's basically saying that the oppression by the Taliban of women is basically a ransom. They're basically holding women a ransom um, to the international community because they want sanctions removed. If you go, again, like when I link to this on my website, you can read their list of demands, things that they want, and um, that's uh, basically you know what they're doing. But um, let me go back up here. One of the things that someone suggested that you know we've we've gone off and left Afghanistan to the Taliban. We also are essentially backing the Taliban with the aid that's going in. And the least we can do is we should be. Um, supporting online education and there are efforts going on right now but trust like you know this is um the the english classes that we have going on right now i mean we don't have any official support you know that's actually what i'm doing right now is trying to find funding for the uh the classes that um we're working on i know of another guy that has uh is just paying himself he's paying for um, online classes and he pays, they have online curriculum for uh, specifically girls in Afghanistan and then he pays tutors to tutor this, the students um, you know, it's his own funds so there's really not been a whole lot of effort and attention for that it's not nearly to what the need is um, Let's see, where am I? Okay, this is a report that was um, released. Uh, they estimate 1.6 million refugees have left Afghanistan. There was another post that I don't think, I think this is one of the ones I didn't have a chance to upload because I hit my limit. There was an estimate of 800,000 Afghan allies that are still in Afghanistan. So. I actually think 1.6 million is a little low. Uh, one of the numbers I heard at one point was 3 million. It's just, it's miserable. It's just completely miserable. And we have contributed to that misery and we are gaslighting and uh, whitewashing the Taliban. That's basically what we're doing. Um, this is a story about they, the Taliban killed some men and then returned their bodies to the families and they had taken their kidneys. So selling organs because that is what they do. This is a, um, a story about the, there's a, a village that's basically blockaded the, they can't leave um, from the road and this is in the Bamian province. What well, it doesn't stand here is that Bamian is Hazara. So Hazaras are ethnic minorities and historically they've been persecuted over generations. So um, I'm sure that factors into it quite a bit too. But there's been, it's, this is the thing. Like the Taliban, again, they're terrorists and thugs. So they have control over the government. But it doesn't change who they are. Uh, governing takes work and it takes wisdom, which they don't want to do. And they're what they don't have. They don't have wisdom. They know how to be terrorists and thugs. So rather than terrorizing Western forces that are in Afghanistan, now they just terrorize the Afghan people. So this is a story about somebody who is, uh, har they're harassing and terrorizing villagers. And there have been, there's a couple stories about 
people pushing back and you know beating the Taliban there's I don't think that there's I don't think I have a whole lot of screenshots here but um, there's the NRF which is the National Resistance Front have been you know they'll publish like when they have attacks and are you know just so they that there is awareness that there is a resistance out there and people are fighting back and aren't just accepting it and I've over the past few months as I've been sharing these I I have seen more of this but um, this is one of the um, the people who have evacuated they're in a very difficult situation because you know they if they're not in a uh, a refugee camp or a um, have been taken somewhere like humanitarian city they're at the mercy of the the government of the country where they're in and so like Pakistan they're very hostile to Afghans and uh, they'll they're refusing to allow register them as refugees they're refusing to allow UNHCR to give them refugee certification to issue cert certificates we've had a couple several people that have been told even been told that they will get a referral but they won't give them refugee certifications and um, we're just you know as NATO allies we just would not really uh, don't really have seem to be that concerned about it so this is a, um, a story of the, the, this person saying that she's talked to several Afghans that have applied to work for U, UN different positions. And they were asked whether they got like uh, pardons from the Taliban. It's like, okay, Taliban are terrorists, but it's like not only are they not like, so these are people, a lot of these people were people that worked with NATO forces before, right? This, we said that we would back up and protect. So they have, they've already worked for allies, but we turned to, we turned the country over to the Taliban, and now the UN is telling our former allies that they have to get pardon from the Taliban before they'll hire them. What kind of sense does that make? It's just all kinds of crazy. I did mention this in my last update that. Um, the they were installing cameras by Huawei, which is a Chinese company, and multiple people are saying this is basically going to turn it into a police state. So we gave them the biometric scanning uh, equipment. We gave them our data about who worked with us, so they know who worked for us, and we can track them down. And now there's going to be uh, cameras everywhere. So how are they even? going to operate I mean it's just uh, it's just such a horrific situation and the, the Taliban have destroyed the economy it's just it's like everywhere they turn they are uh, they just they're incompetent they don't know how to run a country and they go from bad to worse they create as much misery as they possibly can to try to keep control this is a post by um, about the the devastation of the land and the climate. Uh, it just I spent a couple months where I shared that there's um, illegal 
and actually dangerous water extraction. That's one of the things. But, you know, people, they just go for, it's not necessarily even the Taliban, but when you don't have any um, overall plan and any uh, overall goal to steward the land and um, the resources, then you get all these all these people in specific in individual areas that are just out for themselves. There was I don't think I have it up here, but I came across an, another article a few weeks ago about an archaeological site in Balkh, the Balkh province that was basically decimated because you know they were just selling you know these archaeological finds and somebody got paid off and so it's gone. It's completely decimated. So, uh, and when I say this, you know, I'm not like we in the United States have any room to talk. Our United Supreme Court just um, uh, removed or declared illegal some EPA protections. And so uh, there's a lot of, uh, EPA just removed a lot of uh, restrictions on developing wetlands. So, I, like we're any better? Not really. No. It's just corruption and greed. Like it's that people make money from uh, exploitation, right? Exploiting the land, exploiting the people. Everybody's just out for themselves. But anyway, um, okay. So this was a another story. This is a, I think he was 10, 10 or 12. Um, he was hung by the Taliban. This is in retaliation because his family um, were uh, with the former uh, republic and this again it's not unusual it's very common this is one of the things that the uh, uh, my friends have said is that the Taliban don't just go after the person they go after the families so it's just retribution against anyone associated with someone that they consider their enemies so it's just there's no limit to the um, the depravity of the Taliban. They just are, again, they're terrorists and thugs. And uh, this was, was it, I guess it was last week, was the two-year anniversary of the bombing at the Abbey Gate. And when I uh, do the, re when I do that next um, update with, read the, the uh, all the agreements in the, the Taliban promised that they would not be attacking NATO allies. That very obviously was not true. <laughs> they very obviously did not hold to their agreements, right? They're untrustworthy and they can't be relied on and they're not good people to be associated with. We should have no association with them. Um, let's see. Oh, I guess I'm missing some. I missed this one, I think. So this is an article about um, there were the uh, the head of the United Nations um, in Af in Afghanistan said that 30 humanitarian workers have been killed, and then I don't have screenshots of this, but there's there's one of the things that the Taliban have been saying in this past week is that they were blaming the West for saying that they were um, misappropriating funds coming into Afghanistan. And the 
the thing is that, and somebody pointed out, I guess I don't have this screenshot, was that she's like, you know, foreign aid and human NGOs are paying, are funding hospital care, they're funding schools, they're funding food for people, like every single um, uh, social aid in Afghanistan, foreign NGOs are providing. The Taliban are not, but yet they blame the Taliban, blame those NGOs, saying, oh, the problems in our country are because of them. And yet we, who knows what else they're getting, but we, as the U.S., we are constantly giving the Taliban money and they divert it to their own purposes. It's not going to the people. This is who they are. They are untrustworthy and we should not be associated with them. And when they're not getting, why are we funding them? Why are we, why are we backing the Taliban? Why? There's, there's no point to this. So uh, the other thing that this was actually, again, this was something I was going to share last week and didn't do my live stream, but this started, I think was a week ago Friday. There were attacks on Christians in Pakistan. There were a lot of stories about this. And um, so they were accused of, maybe I did mention this. I think I did. And then the attacks continued uh, beyond, yeah, so two weeks ago when I did an update, they had started, but the attacks continued. And what they were doing is they would spray graffiti, chronic verses on the uh, the churches. And so, and if they remove them, there was a, you know, they would be accused of blasphemy. And I asked uh, if they, some of our people, if they had heard anything, if this had impacted them, because I, um, some of the, I saw um, a post by the same person that there were attacks in the town that some of our people are in. They hadn't heard of it, but when I shared the, the tweet, they were like, oh yeah, that happens all the time. It was like, wasn't even, wasn't even like a big thing. So actually like in our, I think it was the last Bible study, like one of the, was it last week? I, I'm getting, I'm skipping a week, it's throwing me off. Um, it was either last week or the week before, my translator had to like stop and pause for a little bit because his brother had been arrested by the police. You know, it's like persecution, harassment. You know, they won't issue. It's just it's such a mess. It's such a mess. So where are we at? We're kind of um, doing doing the same things. So, like I am sending out. Again, I've been sending emails. I did get um, a couple of responses from people I sent emails to like three or four months ago. So I guess that's a good thing. Um, the responses I got were not, oh yeah, I can help you with that. But one of them was gave me a referral to somebody else. And I did talk to somebody this week that um, I think, uh, I think it's going to turn out to be divine providence um, in our efforts. Um, we'll just have to see how things play out. Things are so weird. It just generally, it's like I, I just have to, just have to remind myself. It just kind of like 
just going day by day, doing the next steps, seeing what we're doing, seeing what comes next. So the big thing is um, right now is raising money for the, um, the schools. Uh, we need to raise money for support for them. And um, I need to find somebody that can give me, I need the in, inside scoop on Welcome Corps. I haven't talked about this in a while, but there's, uh, in January, the, the uh, State Department announced a new program that's uh, based on the Canadian program that allows private individuals or groups to sponsor refugees. And when it, it's already started, but you have to already, it's only for people that are already in the refugee system that have been, you know, have been designated as a refugee by UNHCR. Um, and they're in the process and they can pair with that person that has that status can, if they have private sponsor, those private sponsors can, um, basically facilitate their immigration. And we have people who have SAV applications, uh, P1, P2 humanitarian parole applications, um, but those are stalled. And I have been hoping that the Welcome, that Welcome Corps would be a better option. When it launched in January, they said that if phase, when phase two opened, which is supposed to be the middle of this year, that people would be able to, the private sponsors would be able to recommend people into the system. That hasn't opened yet, but in J July, they did announce a Welcome Corps on campus, which is going to be basically the, um, it, it's kind of going to allow universities to sort of be like resettlement set centers so that um, the students, and this is limited from like between 18 and 25, can, they can be resettled, facilitated by universities, not only them, but also their families, which sounds amazing. But again, the first cohort is going to be in 2024, as for people already in the system, and then people referred in in 2025 all this stuff. I mean, some good ideas, but they just need to get in gear and get it done. It needs to be faster. But, um, so it seems like there's some progress, but not the progress that we need, that I need anyway for my people. She needs to move a little faster. This is the thing. When they were doing the, they had, Welcome Core is kind of, they, they had a pilot program at the end of 2021 that Afghans came on and when all of that, that was fast. And then they, that was called the sponsored circles. And then they closed that off to Afghans and they made it available to um, Ukrainians and Venezuelans. And there's articles out there that talk about the Ukrainians saying what a difference it was. People that came before that system was in place and, or that program was in place. And then afterwards, it was just night and day. Like, they had it in place, things were fast. This is what we need, this is what we need. So they can do it, but I just need um, 
I see somebody's like actually give me the details because I'm like reading the information. And it sounds like it's something that will work for my people, but um, then I'll read comments by like no one left behind, which actually has connections with the State Department, and they they kind of like poo poo it. So what do you know that is not being put out there? I want to know the scoop. So anyway, so that's where we're at. So keep us in your prayers. I have a couple, have a couple of people that I think I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna refer, refer to a couple of people that are um, immigration attorneys that hopefully, hopefully can help. So anyway, uh, hope you have a great Labor Day uh, weekends and uh, have a great week this upcoming week. And um, I will talk to you soon.